0: Welcome to Step Up, the podcast where we learn to advocate like a woman. I'm your host, Ellen Troxclair. Each week, we talk to a different leader about how she became active in policy and politics. Whether it's joining an organization or running for office, I hope you come away feeling not only supported and inspired, but determined to step up and be a part of shaping your community and country. In and I'm here with Representative Julie Emerson of Louisiana. Uh, Julie is uh, one of the youngest female representatives to ever be elected in this whole entire state. Um, ran as a conservative in a very purple district, uh, and got elected when you were 20- 27. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, well, thank you for being with us today. I'm so excited to talk to you.
1: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And glad we could finally get, get, get this to work. Get it it was kind of crazy.
0: It was. It was. Um, so, well, I, I especially wanted to talk to you just because your experience is so relevant to, I think, a lot of women out there who feel like... Um, Well, maybe they don't have maybe they're too young to to dip their toe into the water or uh, maybe they don't have the right experience yet. Or like there's a million reasons for women not to run for office and and not to get involved. Uh, I certainly um, as as the youngest woman to have served on the Austin City Council, I got that in my my election of you know well wait you're 29 aren't you too aren't you too mm-hmm. young
1: to be running for office yeah like when um, you're canvassing and you knock on someone's door they're like oh who, who are, you, who are uh, you supporting who are you knocking right. for and i'm like myself yeah and you're like no i'm i'm
0: ellen and they're like wait, i'm sorry you're ellen mm-hmm. yes yes i'm i'm ellen i love your support uh, so it's an interesting, interesting uh, hurdle to get over when you're talking to voters. Um, but ultimately, none of that matters if you're in it for the right reasons and you run a great campaign. So, right. tell us, um, tell us what led you to to being in the position that you are today.
1: Well. It all started in 1988. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it did, but um, I'll, I'll try to package it in a, in a, a short little thing here. But basically, um, I, I was in college, and I have a degree in biology and chemistry, which is completely related to the field that I'm in Definitely. now, legislating. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but actually, it was when I was in college, the Affordable Care Act was going through Congress. Uh-huh. So it made me start to pay attention to politics and to what was going on in the government and everything going through Congress because I thought this is going to affect me one day because I wanted to go to med school. Um, well, I did not go to med school, <laughs> but right. I, I, you know, I graduated and just figured out that that was not the door that was open for me. And that's not, and that's not, not where I needed to go. I had no idea where I needed to go at that point. Um, but I just decided to go ahead and get my MBA. Um, so I was doing that and actually, uh, I guess rewind a couple of years. A friend of mine actually was a delegate to the Republican National Convention when he was 19 in 2008 when John okay. McCain was the nominee. Uh-huh. And he knew that I had kind of been interested and I had been paying attention. So he said, Hey, you know, do you want to come to the Republican National Convention? And honestly, Like, I knew what it was, but I didn't know exactly what happened there. Um, I mean, I knew it was where we kind of, you know, nominated the president, but I did not understand the process. He said he was a delegate. I'm like, how do you become a delegate? I don't get that, you know. But I decided, like, hey, this will be cool. So, side note, there was a hurricane coming to Louisiana, like, right at that moment. I took the last flight out of New Orleans to fly to Minneapolis. Um, to go to the convention, mm-hmm. so I evacuated to Minneapolis from Hurricane <laughs> Gustav. But go up there, meet a lot of people, get really engaged, really interested. So when I decided to go ahead and start business school after I graduated college, I still kind of had this political interest, you know. So I I um, got involved in some community events with some pro-life organizations, uh-huh. uh, pregnancy crisis clinics, and stuff like that. Um, and honestly, I. One of the first political meetings I went to was the parish executive committee, which for most people would be like the county executive committee for your party. Um, Bunch of uh, males who were about three times my age Um, but honestly, like was welcome with open arms, had a great time getting to know those guys and then got involved on the state level and just kept staying involved, volunteered on campaigns. And that's what I always tell people, especially college students or even high school Mm -hmm. students who come to me and ask me, Hey, how do you get involved in things? How, how, you know, where do you go? I don't know where to go. I'm like, just start looking. There's like a million places to get involved locally. Um, you know go to your local party committee go to your state committee uh involve it, it issues that you care about pro life issues whatever there's always something to be mm-hmm. involved in everybody needs volunteers when you're a nonprofit That's right true. so we did that um and then I'm not going to take you through all the steps of my business, but I started a communications business, and it's just grown from there. I guess started that in 2011, so I've been operational for about eight years now. Um, basically, we grew from mostly doing, like, fundraising and fundraising letters and stuff um, to now doing, like, digital communications, mm-hmm. advertising, TV buys, radio buys, things like that. So, um, obviously, very good training for running a campaign. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but in 2014, uh, my home, like, rep district, so my, my state house district, um, was represented by an individual who I felt was just a little bit left of the district. Um, and like you said before, my district is kind of purple. It's got a lot of kind of blue dog Democrats um, mm-hmm. who a lot of times will, you know, they'll vote Republican, but they're still registered. So it's hard to gauge because sometimes they'll vote Democrat on the local level and then Republican on the national level and just all kind of different things. Um, but I felt like if somebody really got in there and worked really hard that they could probably flip it to red, because um, I knew the values of the area where I grew up, um, mm-hmm. which is in Cajun country. Um, I mentioned before I don't have a French last name, which was kind of a hurdle to to cross. Uh, you got a lot of Boudreaux and Thibodeauxs and Cormier's and melançons and all that kind of stuff in my district. <laughs>
0: yeah, my in-laws so, are
1: Landrenoes. So yep, yeah. there you go. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I decided to get in a January twenty fifteen. And we knocked on every single door in the district, worked really hard to raise money. Um, I always joke with my parents. I said, you know, I think, I think like people always ask me, oh, you know, was your family involved in politics? They give you a lot of money to run. I said, I think my parents gave me like 200 bucks. Uh, Which, like, bless them. I was really happy to get it, you know? Like, they've obviously invested a lot more in me and my life than just $200. But for the campaign, I think that's what they gave me. Yeah. You weren't Um, self-funded. You weren't independently wealthy and self-funded.
0: Which a lot of people think, well, you must have to be in order to run for office. You must have a bunch of money that you
1: can put into it. So. It's hard, but you just have to basically call in like every single favorite with everybody yeah, you know. you've ever met. So yeah, yeah you're like, hey, running for office. And like the first 40 or 50,000 I raised was mostly just people like well, that's adorable. Poor thing. Like, so I, I'll just send her Aww. some money because I feel bad, you know? this young blonde girl right, thinking right, that she's right.
0: going to try to be a state representative. Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so was, I think it was like pity money, but that's okay. I yeah, like, you I, made I the take best it. Of it. Clearly. I take it. Yeah. So but yeah, totally grassroots campaign and we won 51 49. Ah, great. Yeah. So
0: a close race, but um the closest the close races you know you you know that all your hard work was worth it right yeah uh so just wondering if there was a specific um event that like kind of spurred you to be like well why not why don't I run
1: so um actually when I first sort of because I was working all over the country like I still lived in my home district actually but Um, I was kind of working all over the place. I was in South Carolina. I was in Michigan. I was all over the place doing, um, just basically working for, you know, whatever I could find and, you know, whoever would contract me. But, um, so I kind of, um, I got some phone calls from people in my district who kind of knew what I did, you know, people that I grew up with and stuff. And they were sort of the ones that pushed it and said, Hey, you know, It wasn't mean-spirited. Everybody was just like, we kind of feel like, you know, the guy who's there, maybe, you know, maybe we could get someone more conservative. We feel like he's a little liberal. And how long Um, have you been in office? uh, Four years. Okay. He was also very young. So it was like the youngest Uh, race in, like, Louisiana history, because when I ran against him, I was 27, he was 31, so our combined age was, like, younger than the (laughs) average age of the legislature. So, um, anyway, but yeah, people were like, you know, do you think we can beat him? What What do you think? And so... I actually came home for a little bit, you know, and like, I was like, I'm not going to travel for a few months and I'm going to stay home and we're going to find somebody to run. So that was really my whole goal. I mean, I went around talking to different community activists and leaders and said, you know, what do you think? What do you think? And pretty much the whole like overarching theme was we feel like we can flip this district, but whenever he's done, you know, like we feel like it's conservative, but he's well-funded, um, He's, you know, kind of young, dynamic guy, mm-hmm. really smart, well-spoken, you know, just – and he, he had a really good presence about him. And so people just felt like that, you know, he's got a lot of energy. He's going to outwork us. so, Which, after, which yeah. isn't
0: uncommon when you have a race – when you have an incumbent uh, from the opposing party, a lot of times – That you know, there's only there's limited resources and limited number of uh, races that that the parties want to get involved in, right? Mm Because they don't want to be spread too thin. So if there's an incumbent who you know they don't think is that bad and they think is going to be really hard to beat, a lot of times they don't support. They really don't give a lot of support um, to to a candidate from their own party who wants Mm -hmm. to challenge them, right?
1: Yeah, no, that can definitely happen. Um, Yeah, so I mean, with you know, with this guy. People just – they didn't really believe, you know, that anybody could beat them. So, um, yeah, I just – honestly, at the end of, like, a month or two, somebody looked at me and they were like, you know what? You really probably have the best shot. Like, you know how to do this and, you know, you could do well at it and whatever. I'm like, oh, no, look. I mean, I – you know, my business was kind of just taking off. I was, you know, really excited with that. I like doing stuff behind the scenes. I did not want to be out there and out front. Right. Um, but, you know, like, God has a sense of humor, so. <laughs> <laughs> and here, here you
0: are. How yeah. many years ago was this?
1: Four years. Okay. So I'm actually up for re-election in seven weeks, so I'm leaving here to, like, immediately go home and continue campaigning. When I talk to people in my generation, my friends, they're not overly liberal. They're not overly conservative. And I wouldn't even say they're moderate. They're literally just, like, government's really big and messy, and I don't understand it, but I want it to get out of my way. Right. So that's, you want to say that means you're conservative. Right. But <laughs> so that's the biggest thing I hear from them. And so that was kind of my appeal. Uh-huh. And it ended up going viral. You know, we got like 400,000 views or something like that. And, you know, everybody's always about their view count these days. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I, I was just excited that it caught on. Um, the Democrat Party in Louisiana did like this mass email, like trashing me, like, representative emerson thinks that all young people should be a republican and then they just went crazy whatever you anyway, know it was it was pretty funny yeah, like yeah, I, I do actually Here's yeah
0: um well no that's really that that is really interesting and i'm glad that you kind of stepped out outside of t- it it is unusual i think for like a sitting state legislator to run mm-hmm. for it was a state party chair right it was yeah. yeah and a lot of people might not even realize that those positions are elected Mm-hmm. That you're voting, you know, on and your it's, ballot. it's different.
1: It's different in every state, yeah, you know, as to how you do it. But, but
0: often that, um, that the, those positions, and even sometimes more locally, not just your state party chairman, but um, your your county chairman, sometimes is right. elected as well. So, um, yeah, I think that there's a hesitancy among um, the younger gen, like the label scares them. The mm-hmm. the label of because we don't like labels. Being called a Republican right. or being called a Democrat, and of course it's like hip and cool. Um, and you have all these celebrities and things that, that really have, uh, made a habit of, of trashing the the Republican right. party or whatever, what have you. So I think people are, um, sometimes just hesitant to be associated with that kind of label, but, um, but there is a really unique, well, I think it's an interesting time. Um, and I kind of dealt with the same thing on the Austin city council. We had this big, uh, debate over Uber and Lyft and ride mm-hmm. sharing and um, short-term rentals and uh, just kind of the disruptive technology and the sharing community um, in Austin you know, I was on the council at the time and I was one of the only council members to just ardently support ride sharing. Like this is this is the way of the future. Right. It this is, so is the whole cool, like
1: millennial hip thing. Yes. But it's like, you know, you're trying to overregulate it or something. So
0: well, and and you know, it was this big fight between the taxi yeah. unions and um, the ride sharing companies. And it was so interesting for me to see. Um, that the the majority, you know, Demo- liberal Democrat uh, Austin City Council. Uh, I mean, I was. I think the final vote was like nine to two. Uh, me being one of the two. Uh, to and we ended up. I mean, Uber and left totally left Austin. We mm-hmm. they one of the, one of you know the city that is seen as this you know technology right. hub and kind of a a hip place to be. We didn't. They left. They had a thriving business here and Silicon they Valley left, of the South, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, and they they left overnight. And um, that was solely because of the decisions that the Austin City Council was making, trying to make them be just like cab companies. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's that's such a service that most of the sitting city council members hadn't ever used Mm -hmm. Uber or Lyfts. I'm like, hey, let's go to lunch. You want to grab a Uber? Uber?" (laughs) Um, You know, so it's really hard to understand when it's something that you haven't experienced. But uh, what an opportunity. I'm kind of surprised that. That those conversations, and maybe it has, and maybe we haven't seen the fruits of the of that yet, but that those conversations haven't kind of clued millennials into, hey, yeah. um, wait, I think it's really, I really, wait, huh, I can't use Uber anymore? Why? Because the Austin City Council? Why? Because You know, like, has it um, clued them into, wait, less government is better and maybe yeah. conservatives are onto something.
1: Well, you know, we, we need better messaging. We need maybe some better faces to step up and, you know, sort of be out front and say hey like you know the republican party does is the party of freedom and liberty and we don't believe in overregulation, regulation over you know um but we're kind of i think we struggle in that area sometimes yeah. and yes i do think it's a hollywood backlash of not being cool and hip yeah um and i think in general honestly though i just think that younger people don't like labels as much you don't like to yeah. be boxed in you want to be like out of the box and crazy cool. and radical Indeed. you know so. yeah yeah. Well, but well. I, but I, look, I, I do think that parties on the local level can have a purpose though. I mean, Oh, absolutely. Yes, oh, I was, you know, I was very fortunate to walk in that door and be welcome with open arms. A couple of the, um, mm-hmm. couple of the people in there I'd actually grown up in church with. So they're like, Oh, little julie like you're so great so that you're here you know right yeah. so there was it was but but you know i went into it with this attitude of i'm a conservative i want to be involved in politics and this is what i'm gonna do and yeah. like you know yeah like sometimes you get remarks that make you cringe but yeah like sometimes you need to change the culture but you know but a lot would, of times people are not saying things out of meanness they just they just need to have a better understanding of well
0: and how do you change the culture if you don't get involved right right, so exactly um so yes thank you for pointing out i i absolutely think that the um, local parties do serve a very important purpose and Um, for people who might be scared of labels or might be scared of like one, one thing that has come out of the party that they don't like, it's those, those are the people you have the ability to change that, right? You have the Mm -hmm. ability to vote for your party's leadership. You have the ability to, um, get involved in your local precinct meetings or, uh, what have you. So, uh, I, so yeah, so yeah, the only way to change it is to, is to get involved and maybe we wouldn't, we wouldn't feel this way if we had, you know, five of our friends with us next time we went to those meetings, you know? Um, Okay, so you, so I wanna, I wanna hear about fundraising because it sounds like uh, that was, a, it was probably a challenge for you going up against sure. a, a charismatic, um, well-funded opponent, and you kind of being a no name, without the right, without the right last name.
1: Yeah, uh, how did you, how did you approach fundraising? Yeah. So you know, fundraising. So I would say on average in Louisiana, it certainly depends on where you are. Like if you're in the New Orleans media market, a state rep race is going to cost more than in the Lafayette area where I live. Um, And then of course we were challenging incumbents, so we needed a little bit more money as well. Um, But you know, we spent about $150,000 and most of the kind of Better known, you know, typical conservative statewide donor folks, um, that kind of chronically give, they didn't give me the time of day at first, and I, I'm not I'm not bashing them at all. It was just I wouldn't either. Like I wouldn't right. have given me the time of day at first either. Right. So they kind of told me, well, you know, go raise forty or fifty yourself, and and then come back and we'll talk, and we want to hear your plan to actually beat this guy. They're like okay, I'll go, I'll get right so, on them. Yeah. So I mean, honestly, it's funny because I mean, I'm sure I was like really overwhelmed and freaked out at first, but I just kind of remember having this attitude of, "All right, we're gonna go raise forty thousand dollars. Let's do that's this," it. you yeah. know. And I guess so, that's one of the
0: advantages of running when you are young. You don't know what you don't know, so you're not a, you're not afraid as afraid to go right. right. Yeah, Let's go like do
1: it. you don't put yourself in all these boxes, right? And So you're yeah. like, I can do this. So I just literally started appealing to everyone. And like I told you, I had done some work in other parts of the Mm -hmm. country. So I just appealed to all of those people, you know, everybody that I met in different states. I'm like, hey, I'm running for office in Louisiana. Like, you know, and then, of course, you can use, like, I'm a young Republican. I'm a young conservative. Like, don't you want more of us in office? You know, so, um, yeah, you know, I did a lot of that. Um, I did find some, you know, family members who like randomly were, you know, gave me more money than I really even realized they had. So that was really nice, you know. Yeah. I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> thank you family." Appreciate that, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I mean, I don't, I can't even tell you like an exact method of how it happened. I literally just, like, every good consultant will tell you, sit down and write a list of 20 people you know they can give you a thousand dollars. I actually didn't know any like 20 people that give me a thousand dollars, but I just started writing down like everybody I knew who I thought might give me money, yeah, and just started calling them and emailing them and sending them letters and all kind of stuff. So, Somehow we got to $40,000. Really? Okay. Yeah. And so you
0: did it and you went back to them and you were able to earn, the, earn their support ultimately.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, then it just kind of, once we got past that hump, I felt like it just kind of trickled in. Because then I started getting some more, like, other endorsements from um, different statewide elected officials, congressmen, um, you know, different groups and stuff, conservative groups. And so then people started paying attention and then it kind of organically just came in. And you didn't have a primary so. opponent. So in Louisiana we don't have primaries. Ah, okay. So we have jungle primaries. Oh. So okay. everybody goes into the same pot regardless of party, and then the top two vote getters go to a runoff, okay. even if you're in the same party. Um, but for me it was just the two of us, and so uh, we were we were done after the jungle primary. Um, so yeah, it was it was wild. <laughs> but but you know, and then of course once you get in office, like everything changes because then. You're the incumbent, and, and you know, you, you won a really big race, and everybody's like, wow, how you, did you do that, you know? Well, but I mean, like, with fundraising, it becomes easier, because then right, all the right. people who looked at you and said, no, like, you're not going to win, now you can go back to them right. and be like, hi, I won, I would love to invite you to my fundraiser, so, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, so that, you know, it you become a little more compelling at that point, I guess, yeah. but...
0: Uh, in Austin, we are not allowed. We weren't allowed to raise money past the election day. Interesting. So, um, so there was no there there was none of the follow up fundraiser like hey, you didn't support me, but now so you at what should. point can you
1: raise money to run again? Uh, there's
0: a waiting period that basically Very before the next election. Okay. So, um, yeah, it was. yeah, we have uh, a so more
1: you- yeah we have a moratorium on it during session. Which is when? Um. So. Typically, it's like mid-March through mid-June, but we've been in a lot of spe- special sessions. Um, so, you know, we're in in the spring for like three or four months.
0: So you still have your business? I do. You still run your business, yeah. so it's a part-time
1: legislature. We are. Most
0: people have. We've I've um, talked to a few people who, you know, I, I just think from uh, maybe the, the layman's perspective, they think, oh, well, that's a big job. It must be, you know, I don't want to have to give up my career or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, and it is a sacrifice. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it running, is. running, doing, going through the campaign. And then of course, even though you're in only in session for maybe four or five months, it's, it's a lot of time, uh, you know, away from your business and away from your family, but ultimately it's possible to do, it's possible it's, to do both. It's yeah. not a full time, full time
1: job. Yeah, no, it's definitely possible. And, and I'll tell you, I mean, you know, I'm sure you saw the same. How many people are on the Austin City Council? Eleven. Eleven. Okay. So, you know, we have 105 members of the house. But, you know, you do – and I don't want to make it sound too, like, you know, buddy-buddy to make people think it's just some gross fraternity type Uh thing. But you do become very close to your colleagues because – You're spending a lot of time with them. You're spending a lot of time with them and, like – all of you are like the only people who know what you're all going through. Right. You know, so it's an interesting camaraderie that you have. Um, and of course, when you have 105, you become closer to some than others. Yeah, you get a, um, you get but, a broader yeah. uh, pool of people to choose from, right? You want to yeah. become friends with, right? Right. I, right.
0: Was, I was stuck in the. I was stuck in a pretty small boat.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm very fortunate. I had some really good conservative women. They were already there that you know took me under their wing and and really helped me out. And um, we have very small percentage of the legislature that is female. Um, And then certainly an even smaller percentage that's actually, you know, conservative Republican females. Uh Um, So, you know, it's it's a little bit on an island, you know, Um, but but you, you find some really good, good folks and some good mentors and that, you know, really love you for you and. Of course, it's hard to trust anybody around those places, but, you know, you find some good ones for sure. It's
0: easier to legislate, though, if you are able to create personal connections with yeah, people, right? absolutely. I mean, you kind of get past – you know that you might have d- your differences, but at least you know that you're each coming from a genuine place, and that yeah. that goes a long way. Um, so so I'm curious to hear about legislating from kind of the position where you're sitting, because the, the guy that you beat was – you thought a little to the right of the, your district – um, he was to the left. Or, I'm sorry, sorry, to the left. <laughs> to the left of your district, yeah. um, and you're a little, you're to the, probably well, you're you represent your district I, to the best of your ability, but um, yeah. tell us tell us what it's like to represent such a mixed district.
1: Yeah, so I think you know, um, like, like I said, I won fifty-one forty-nine. So I mean, that's obviously right. really close. Um, it, but my district tradi- traditionally, from a statewide and a federal level, has been sixty-plus percent Republican um so you still have a lot of people who will vote republican on the national level or on the statewide level Mm -hmm. but then when it comes to more local sometimes they'll still vote for democrats if they know the person or whatever all politics is Um, local, right Right, of course so you know so i I obviously try to be cognizant of that um the governor's race was uh really crazy in louisiana four years ago and the current governor who's a a democrat he actually won my district by six votes Mm he um and it hadn't it had been a, a while since a Democrat had won my district for governor. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, so anyway, so, um, you know, I have that in my brain thinking, okay, the governor, it was 50-50 basically, but the governor, you know, did well in my district. Um, I'm certainly more conservative than he is. Um, so it was that was kind of all in my brain of, okay, I, I want to properly represent the people that that I represent. You know, I, uh-huh. I, want, I want to be fair to that. Um, but I also ran on particular issues and so I can't not vote the way that I ran you know I don't I don't want to be a hypocrite right, right. people voted, so a lot of
0: people voted for you because you were right you were standing for on certain principles that you don't want to just abandon once of course yeah
1: and like my district you know very pro-second amendment very pro-life um which is good I mean I think you know some those kind of issues would be difficult for me to, to waver on and compromise mm-hmm. on. So um, thankfully my district is very supportive of me in those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and even my predecessor was, was pretty good on some of those issues as well. Cause he knew the district too. Um, you know, I would say fiscally I'm a good bit more conservative um, than he was. And, and you know, maybe even some pe- people in my district think, but um, I think that most people just want to know that their representative will listen to them and, um, that you're accessible. So I do my best to return all of my phone calls within, you know, a day or so. Um I I if somebody wants to meet with me, if there's any constituent in my district, voter in my district, who wants to meet with me, I will always meet with them. I mean, if you want to meet with me in person, if you live in my district, I am meeting with you. You know, if you live in Shreveport, I mean if you're coming through and still want to meet with me, I will try. But that's obviously not as high on no, the yeah, priority, priority list. Is. And that's a, great, um, that's, uh, that's a great standard to have. Yeah. So, you know, we've I've toured a lot of businesses. I've met with a lot of different people in the area. Anybody, I will meet with you on Saturday morning. I will meet with you on Sunday afternoon if you work all during the week and you can't come meet with me during the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, and we also do um, – birthday cards uh we'll send birthday cards we have little postcards I'll write a little note on them and we'll send birthday wow. cards to everybody how big? How um, many constituents do you have so we have 44,000 okay. people in our districts um about um 20,000 or so you know registered voters okay. and then you know you have households it gets a little smaller Lucky, yeah. but um yeah you know we just we, we, just, a, we, we nice do touch. our best yeah I mean we you know we do our best to just reach out and Every birthday card also has my phone number on it, you know, where they can call me if they need mm-hmm. something. It's kind of a good annual reminder like, hey, I am your representative. If you need anything, we are here. Please call us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that the people in my district understand that I'm very genuine about wanting to represent them. Um, I think a lot of times when you get angry constituent emails or phone calls, if you invite them to your office and say, look, I'd really like to sit down with you in person. That is um, people kind of disarms you, you know, yeah. like when you're actually sitting in the yeah. same room talking face to face and they can see that you are genuinely concerned about their issue or whatever they, however they feel or something like that, you know? So that's, we, we try to do that as best we can.
0: And and that's a skill set that I think really comes naturally to a lot of women, like the being a so. bridge builder. Mm-hmm. Um, what, ha- what have you seen kind of in your experience of of the yeah. constituent relations part.
1: Yeah. I know I definitely think so. I mean, I think, of course, um, yeah, I do think women are, you know, it, it's funny. I mean, I pick on all my male uh colleagues a lot. I'm like, look, like, you guys have so many advantages in the in the political world that you have to give the the women a few advantages, right? Um I do think we're we're better at handling controversy, you know, yeah. it yeah. it's it kind of sitting down at the table and listening to everyone and not getting defensive and not getting hostile. Um, I just, I think we're just kind of have that. And maybe it's just from like, you know, having kids running around or whatever, what, you know, maternal instinct. I don't know what it is, but it's just something kind of innate in us that we're, we can handle chaos going on Mm. and then try to react calmly to it and sort of bring people down from their, um, you know, anger level or whatever it is. So
0: well, clearly you've been able to do that pretty well because, um, you know, although you do have an opponent, it wasn't, you know, you ha- you were uh, in such a swing district. There was a potential for somebody that was very kind of experienced and well-funded um, to really throw yeah. their name in the hat a long time ago.
1: Well, um, and look, I mean, you know, you, you- – you take every single opponent seriously. You always have to, Um, you know, I, I didn't get an opponent uh, qualified on the last day of, of of filing, which was, um, Oh, I guess like a week ago, week and a half ago. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll be, we'll be knocking on doors and campaigning hard for seven weeks. Um, but I was kind of expecting that either he or somebody else would get out there like in March, like, you know, I mean, like I said, I got out there really early. I was knocking on doors for like eight months um, just sweating like crazy, you know, the Louisiana heat. So, So, um, yeah, you know, it's kind of, I was, I was sort of expecting like a, like a year long challenger of just constantly like, you know, knocking me down all the time, but, um, you know, we'll, we're just going to work hard and, and. Hope that uh, hope for the best.
0: Well, I think that's a that is a testament to what a good job you've done building those relationships, those personal relationships. Kind of going back to the all politics, all politics is local, mm-hmm. and it's all relationship based. And um, you know, the best the best campaigners, and then the best representatives are people who understand that and really sure. are genuine about being there for the people. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll it'll be it'll be interesting to to see what happens, but. Yeah. Uh, we are so grateful for your service to your state. Um, I hope, well, and, and, you know, before we wrap up, I do want to say you saying that you, you will meet with anybody from your district personally in person about any issue. I hope that if you're, if you're listening and you, aren't going to run for office, the very least you should pick up the phone and call your state representative, right? And say, Hey, I everybody listen- listening,
1: all, all the representatives are going to get bombarded with phone calls now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they need, they need to figure out who represents them and, uh, and schedule a meeting with them. Right. That's the yeah. best way. Those are the people that you, that really have the, be- uh, the most weight in your mind. Right. Um, and you make yourself available to them. And, and I think most people, most people try to, you know, I think, I think most, most good, representatives try to do that
1: you know it's funny and i'll i guess i'll close with this but a lot of people think that we're influenced by big corporations or whatever group here group a or b or whatever it is but you know we're a dc group or you know you you, you see all these ads of you know saying they were influenced by all these things but i'm telling you like there is nothing like putting the fear in some really quote-unquote powerful legislator walking around. I mean, you know, there's certainly people that are way more powerful than me in that building they have been there for a long time than having, like, 300 constituent emails, you know, coming. I mean, they will flip like that. Really? I mean, it's amazing. They're like, oh, people in my district don't want this. I can't vote for this, you know? Yep.
0: So it
1: matters, and please do it. I mean, even sometimes, even if you don't get a response back, because I know, you know, sometimes if you get like 300 form letters as a as a representative, you may not be able to respond to every single one mm-hmm. in, a, in a timely manner. Um, but it does matter. And and you people do see those, you know, legislators do see those and they know that their inbox is getting flooded about some bill. And they're like, I mean, because I've had legislators come up to me. What is this HB one, two, three that you're doing? Because I've gotten 300 emails about it this morning. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, so it matters. That, no,
0: I think that's a really good takeaway. I think that's a really good lesson um, that a lot of times we we don't think it matters. And and it really mm-hmm. does. So uh, thanks yeah. for putting that in perspective for us. Thanks for uh, service to your constituents and for joining us today.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Okay. Oh, tell us where we can find you. Uh, JulieEmerson.org, um, Facebook.com slash Julie Emerson LA or just at Julie Emerson on Twitter. All right. Thanks, Julie. Thank you.
0: Do you have a story or a question you want answered? Send me a note at Ellen at stepuppodcast.com. Also, give Step Up a rating and review in Apple Podcasts so we can reach and inspire more women. Don't forget to subscribe. I'm Ellen Troxclair. Thanks for listening. Now go advocate like a woman.